Now, as analysts, one of the first challenges that we see is that these one-to-one -one ABM program leads are still asked to report on leads and to generate leads. This is a little bit counterintuitive because in most cases, one-to-one -one programs are really designed to support existing accounts. So they might be influencing pipeline, but they're not really designed to generate pipeline. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenow. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Season 8 of the B2B MX Podcast. So last week, we heard from Kyle Mai, who chatted with me at B2B MX in Scottsdale about Esquire Bank's KCA award-winning ABM program. And he gave us the scoop on how he and his team successfully implemented account-based strategies. And it was honestly really refreshing to learn how ABM has impacted marketing in the financial sector. It was really such a great conversation to listen to. And it was just so fun to hear the hustle and the bustle of the B2BMX marketplace, which is actually where Claude recorded the episode. So now if last week's episode inspired you to uplevel your ABM strategy, we're going to keep that ABM train going with the replay from Matt Stiffen's presentation at B2BMX. That's right. We're on an ABM role here. Matt is an analyst at Forrester who specializes in all things ABM, and his session was titled How Most ABM Programs Run Today and How You Can Do It Better. It actually featured insights from Forrester's 2022 Global State of ABM study, which explored the evolving ABM landscape. I loved the session and how Matt explored some of the different ABM approaches B2B organizations are taking. So we want you to check it out to get a better understanding of which tribe of ABM your organization falls into and the implications for your own program success. So let's kick it off in three, two, one. Things get a little more interesting when you start looking at the nuances. You have to look at what are the ABM deployment types in play? Is there one-to-one, one-to-few, and one-to-many, or just one of those? And also, what is the unique program that you have running at your organization based on the resources that you have, the tech tools you have in place, the goals you're trying to achieve with that program? So just like with dog training, you have to build out a personalized, customized training program for your specific ABM initiative. So like I said, today we're going to compare ABM programs to dog breeds. We're going to look at five different categories of ABM programs based on a categorization we did leveraging the State of ABM 2022 survey data. And we're going to talk about the challenges that people face in each of these types of programs and unique training programs that you can consider depending on which program you have in place at your organization. Like I said, this is all based on data from our 2022 State of ABM survey. We surveyed ABM practitioners from across the world, from multiple different size organizations, different job titles, different levels of seniority. You can imagine this was mostly, um, the participants were mostly from Forrester's customer base, so a lot of larger organizations, Fortune 1000, Global 2000 type of companies. And what this allowed us to do was get an inside look 
at the resources that different ABM programs have, the challenges they're facing, what deployment types they have in place, and a lot of other really interesting information. And we use that to create multiple different categories of ABM. And we're really going beyond talking just about the standard deployment types of one-to-one, one-to-few, and one-to-many. Now, you might notice here that these percentages don't add up to 100%. That's because there are some ABM programs that we discovered that didn't really fit nicely into any of these categories. For example, we saw some programs were really field marketing-led initiatives. Well, that's a total, totally viable way of running an ABM program. There just weren't that many of those. So for today's discussion, we're gonna just stick to these five. So let's start with the first breed, the German Shepherd. German Shepherds are a very resource intensive breed, but they're also known to be great guard dogs, kind of like a one-to-one -one ABM program that is beneficial for guarding revenue from your largest accounts. Then we have the Terrier. This is a very scrappy and resourceful breed. So we're comparing this to industry-focused ABM programs. Then we have the pointer, hunter dogs. These breeds are known for their keen sense of smell that allow them to track and hunt down their prey. These are, we're comparing to the more data-driven, tech-focused ABM programs that use technology to enable scale. Then we have the programs we're comparing to MUTs. You might say, I wouldn't want to compare my um, ABM program to a mutt, but we have to keep in mind that mutts are among the healthiest of dog breeds in many cases. So these are the programs that might have multiple deployment types in play at once. You might be running one-to-one, one-to-few, and or one-to-many all simultaneously. And then we're gonna move over to the French Bulldogs. If you're familiar with French Bulldogs, you might know that these breeds tend to have a lot of underlying health issues due to <laughs> aggressive crossbreeding techniques that are used. They are very cute, they are photogenic, they look great for Instagram, but it's gonna be really hard to put this breed to work. So this represents the final group we're gonna look at, which is kind of what we're calling a Instagram-friendly version of ABM. It's probably only ABM in name only. And as unfortunately, from what you can see here, the percentage of respondents that seem to have a program along these lines was 26%. So the largest group of all the different groups you see, largest single group. All right, well, I wanna stop here and kind of survey the audience by a show of hands. Based on this brief description of what you heard are the different categories of ABM, I wanna see who thinks their program is most like the German Shepherd. You're really only deploying one-to-one -one ABM at this time. You're really looking after your big uh, key accounts. All right, not too many, but that's great to see. And then the Terrier, how many of you have more of an industry focus for your ABM program? You're really just dividing your account list by industry verticals and going from there. Well, quite a few, that's great. And then the pointer, the hunter dog, you're really using technology and data to scale the program out. Okay, good number. And then the mutt, you're kind of doing a little bit of everything, you're taking a hybrid approach. Cool, good amount. And then hybrid, I'm sorry, the French, you could, sorry, I already said that one, the French Bulldog. Anybody feel like they're kind of just doing ABM by name only? Hmm, 
it's a, there's, there's a couple. It's okay to admit it. It's, there's a path, that we'll, we'll go over a custom training program to get you in line with best practices. Anyone here not yet doing ABM? Okay, cool. Hopefully after this presentation, you'll be inspired to start working in this field. Anyone not sure or anyone feel like their ABM program might fit into a different category? It's not aligned with one of these dog breeds. Okay, cool. Well, I wish I could take a, a specific count and use this data for future presentations, but hard to count hands from up here. All right, so let's, we're gonna do a deeper dive on each dog breed. For each breed, we'll look at three slides. The first slide is gonna go over data from our 2022 state of ABM survey and kind of look at what the respondents self-reported about their programs. And then we'll go to a second slide that talks about what we as analysts at Forrester kind of observe as challenges in these breeds of ABM and the unique training programs that we recommend. And then we'll go to a third slide that dives a little bit deeper into one of those training programs. So let's get started with the German Shepherd. This is, like we said, the one-to-one -one breed of ABM, really focused on guarding revenue from your key accounts. You can see that Actually, this is a little bit below average for the average budgets compared to the other dog breeds with just under $500,000. But I do wanna mention that the budgets shown on these slides represent program spend. So with a recommendation that you should have one ABM manager for every three to six accounts in a one-to-one -one ABM program, you can see how the true cost to have a German Shepherd type of ABM program in play can be quite significantly higher. We also see that these programs are relatively less mature than some of the other breeds we'll look at. And on the bottom of this slide, for the sake of time, I won't read through all of these, but you can see some of the self-reported characteristics and challenges that these programs face. Now, as analysts, one of the first challenges that we see is that these one-to-one -one ABM program leads are still asked to report on leads and to generate leads. This is a little bit counterintuitive because in most cases, one-to-one -one programs are really designed to support existing accounts. So they might be influencing pipeline, but they're not really designed to generate pipeline. So our custom training program would involve setting up a set, a control group, a set of lookalike accounts to compare to your accounts in your one-to-one -one program. Then you can report on ABM metrics, not lead-based metrics, to show that the accounts in the program truly are generating better results than similar accounts outside of the program. Another challenge we see is that sometimes these one-to-one -one programs are kind of a victim of their own success. So you might have one ABM manager that's looking after you know, their three to six accounts, doing really great work, everyone's really excited, and then they ask that, pro that manager to take on more accounts and just inherently one-to-one -one is not designed to scale in that way. It's a very manual process. So what we recommend is to look at supporting large must-win opportunities within those accounts rather than the account as a whole if there is a need to scale. And we'll talk about this a little bit more on the next slide. The next challenge we see is that because one-to-one -one ABM was the original form of ABM, a lot of people just kind of believe that it's the best. It's the only true form of ABM. Well, one-to-one -one ABM does achieve great results, and it does very well within its intended scope. 
we definitely encourage you to look at other forms of ABM just to make sure that you're choosing the one that is the best fit, the right fit for your organization, and that the, the one that you're resourced to, to carry out successfully. Like we said, we recommend one ABM manager for every three to five accounts. If that's not realistic to bring on that type of headcount, then one-to-one -one ABM might not be for you. All right, we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into that one challenge we see around the ask to scale a one-to-one -one program. So let's say, for example, you do have that one ABM manager that's looking after five accounts, and that ABM manager is doing great work, and um, they're asked to scale. But when they look more carefully at those accounts, they might see maybe within three of those accounts, there's really only one must-win opportunity within each of those three accounts. So it might make sense to stop asking them to really focus on every single buying group within those accounts and surround those accounts holistically that really don't warrant that level of attention. You might be able to save time and resources by telling that ABM manager or having that ABM manager look after only the must-win opportunities within the account. And then they can add additional accounts or additional must-win opportunities from other accounts. And we do have a framework for this. It's called the Large Opportunity Marketing Framework. So if you are a Forrester client, we'd be happy to work with you to um, transition over to a must-win opportunity mindset as opposed to looking at the account as a whole. All right, let's move on to the Terrier. This is the industry ABM breed. You can see that here, they're looking after a relatively large account list on kind of a mid-sized budget compared to some of the other groups that we looked at. But these types of programs tend to be still relatively less mature than some of the others we looked at. Again, you can see some of the key characteristics and challenges of these programs that were self-reported in the um, survey. Now, as analysts, we see some similar challenges to what was self-reported, but there are some key nuances. One is just like with the one-to-one -one programs, these ABM teams are still being asked to report on leads and to generate leads. Classic problem in ABM, right? But um, again, we recommend that as the ABM program leads, you really need to be the catalyst for making that change from a lead-centric mindset into a buying group-centric um, mindset. Sales teams often don't care about leads, let's be honest. What they care about are deals. And an individual lead is not making a decision on a deal. An entire buying group is. So there needs to be a focus on the buying group. Um, another challenge we see with these industry ABM programs is a lack of leadership. So again, you might see that there'll be an industry ABM program with um, multiple different ABM managers all looking at their own respective industry verticals, and they might be very siloed. They might not re really be sharing resources, best practices, and um, collaborating in any meaningful way. So we definitely recommend to appoint one leader to your industry ABM program to make sure that you have efficiency and economies of scale. Another thing that we see quite often is frankly, it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between a vertical demand gen program and an industry ABM program. Um, one thing you can do to help remedy this situation is bring in subject matter experts. 
you really want to make sure that that content is personalized, all the campaign assets are personalized and customized at the industry level, so it will resonate with the target audience. The close cousin to this challenge is that a lot of teams will often segment too broadly. They'll look at perhaps all financial services accounts or all healthcare accounts within an industry vertical. We recommend trying to look at subverticals, cluster at the subvertical level. And we have a, a custom training program for that as well. So this slide up here shows an example, kind of a case study from work we did with one of our clients. They had an industry ABM program and were focusing on 23 healthcare accounts. And you can imagine they had accounts from um, the insurance subvertical. Uh, they had pharmaceutical companies, they had medical device manufacturers, they had healthcare systems, hospital systems. So before we started working with them, they were building out content that was kind of just more generic to the entire healthcare vertical, and they weren't seeing the results they were expecting. But they couldn't really go any more customized because you know they were, they were trying to um, make something that would resonate with the entire, entire industry. So they really wanted to understand which subvertical would offer the most opportunity. So they broke the subverticals up and they used our account scoring tool. They looked at um, how strong of a fit each account was to their ideal customer profile, which ones had the most propensity to buy and were able to assign an actual numerical score to each account. And they looked at the average scores for each subvertical. They also looked at the total open opportunities for each subvertical. And when they did this, they were able to easily identify one subvertical that clearly offered the most opportunity. So they shifted efforts onto that subvertical and started building out content and campaigns that really, really spoke to the pain points and the major business imperatives of that subvertical. And they started seeing much better results. All right, now we're moving on to the pointer, the hunting dog. Again, these are the ABM breed. This is the ABM breed that is really focused on leveraging technology and data to achieve scale in their program. Now, you can see the average budget here is at just around a million dollars, so the highest budget of all the different breeds we looked at. This is explained by the fact that investing in technology is expensive, so you have to have the budget to support that. Um, but you do see that these programs tend to be a little bit more mature and can focus on a relatively large account list. Again, flashing up the different characteristics and challenges that are faced by um, people with these types of programs. Now, as analysts, we see multiple challenges as well. One is that these types of programs tend to kind of over-rotate on digital channels, especially programmatic advertising. It makes sense. A lot of the ABM platforms were really designed around supporting programmatic advertising and then later brought on support for other digital channels. But we know that buyers value human touches. So we really recommend that you bring in human touches into your planning. Another challenge we see very commonly is with scaling outside of North America. Again, a lot of the ABM platforms and other tech tools designed for ABM were really built with the United States in mind, or at the least with the English language in mind. So you might have some success with scaling into Canada, 
expanding into the UK or Australia. But if you do have ambitions to have a truly global ABM program, we recommend that you have those conversations upfront and early with your tech vendors because not all of them are going to be able to support that and it's better that they know that that's your ambition before you invest in that technology. Another challenge we see is a lot of duplicate capabilities within the tech stack. So we recommend that you audit your tech stack regularly to identify those duplicate capabilities and not waste resources and cut down on costs. And we have a really simple um, training program, recommended training program to help assist you with this. Really just build out a table, listing all the different solutions that you have on the top, and then all the functionalities you need across all these rows. And then you can just simply mark off which tech solution offers that capability. And what you'll find is a lot of the ABM platforms, MAP platforms, are making tons of acquisitions all the time. They're adding to their capability set. So there might be a functionality that you need to use a point solution for today, but a year from now, it might be included in one of your other platforms. And then you can then remove that point solution from your tech stack and save costs. All right, now we're gonna move to our MUTs. This is the hybrid version of ABM, where you might have multiple deployment types in place all at once. Again, we see that there is um, you know, a relatively high level of maturity. And if you compare this to the million dollar budget, you're seeing that you're able to target quite a nice size account list at a relatively lower cost. You can see here also some of the characteristics and the challenges that were self-reported in our survey. Now, as analysts, we do observe that these tend to be more advanced programs. They tend to be doing things well. We saw that these are among the most mature ABM teams, but they're not all advanced. One challenge we see here is that a lot of these program leads, they really try to be everything for everyone all at once. And that can be difficult. You might not yet have the resources in place to deploy one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many simultaneously. So we really recommend that you have a, you gain an understanding of the difference between the deployment types, what resources you have available, what's realistic for your organization, and, and take a, a crawl, walk, run approach. Maybe pilot one form of ABM before trying to jump in and bite off more than you can chew with all the different deployment types. Another common challenge we see with these hybrid ABM programs is a misunderstanding of what ABM means among other key stakeholders, especially the sales team. So for example, there might be a member of the sales team that has an account in the one-to-many program, and they see their colleague's account is part of the one-to-one -one program. And they might not understand why their colleague's account is receiving such special treatment. You have to be very clear with your communication with the sales team to explain the nuances between the different deployment types and what level of service they should expect. Another challenge we see is that it can be very difficult reporting when you have multiple different deployment types in place. So there needs to be a lot of precision in your measurement. You need to be able to demonstrate that with heightened levels of personalization, you're also seeing better results. And we also have, oops, sorry. We also have a tool to help you with that. We have our B2B revenue waterfall diagnostics tool that can help you demonstrate that with greater levels of personalization comes better results. 
Now we're gonna take a look at the final breed. This is the Insta-ABM breed, represented by the French Bulldog. Now we see here that this program type does have a relatively lower budget, but they're trying to um, tackle a pretty large account list at that budget level, and we do see a relatively low level of maturity here. Now, the story is quite simple with this breed of ABM. We see this breed trying to purchase technologies and deploy technologies before they have a clear understanding of what they're going to be used for, and we see them deploying or acting on tactics before they have really a clear strategy in place. So, what we recommend is, well, we have a couple of tools. One is we have an ABM readiness assessment. So you can take that assessment to see where, where you're at today and if you are ready to deploy ABM. And if there's a few areas of weakness, you can investigate those specific areas and bring yourself up to speed there. And then we also have an ABM implementation roadmap. You could probably see, I don't know, it might be hard to see from where you're sitting, but there are a lot of steps to build out a successful ABM program. And we recommend that you never skip any of these steps. So I'm not pulling this up to scare you, but I am trying to illustrate that ABM is not easy. There's a lot involved, but it's well worth the time. It's well worth the effort and you can work with us. We can explain what is entailed with each and every one of these steps. Thank you. All right, guys, that's a wrap on Matt. And I just love having the Forrester analysts at our events. They always deliver some awesome sessions and it's really great to learn from them every single year because they're on the pulse of all things B2B marketing. They really are. And a little spoiler alert, upcoming in this season, we have a few other analysts on tap that we're gonna be replaying their sessions. So be sure to subscribe to the pod so you do not miss any new episodes. This season is loaded with interviews and replays from B2BMX. And as always, we're available on your podcast player of choice. And you could catch us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share feedback and let us know who else you want to hear from on the pod. Thank you so much for joining us today and take care. Take care.